guys uh welcome to another episode of solace in the city i'm so excited to share this one with you i have such a girl crush on teffy i think she's like the funniest person in the world and i've also learned honestly so much about pop culture through her tiktoks like i'm so invested in these celebrities lives now because of her videos she's so amazing and just very raw and vulnerable with her own personal story on this podcast so um I really appreciate that in a person, and um, it was just so amazing to learn from her. So yeah, I can't wait for y'all to listen. Uh, but before I jump in, I want to make a quick plug for Talkspace. Talkspace is the number online therapy platform where you can connect with and message a therapist within the day you download the app. So it's immediate access to therapy, and I'm so fortunate enough. I'm so fortunate that I get to offer you guys $100 off your first month. So it's really lower the barrier to entry to getting help. It's nearly impossible to find therapists right now because there's actually a shortage of therapists due to the pandemic. So if you've been like wanting to talk, like try therapy, but you know, the process is too overwhelming, Talkspace is a great way to kind of tip your toes into that. Um, and again, if you use my code, you get a hundred dollars off. So what's there to lose? Um, so go to talkspace.com and use my code Zoe, Z-O-E at checkout for a hundred dollars off your first month of therapy. And then let me know what you think. And you know, we can chat about therapy together because yeah. Anyways, before I keep mumbling, because I don't want to have to redo this intro for the fourth time, uh, here's Tuffy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Sauls in the City. Today, I am so excited to be here with Teffy, or here's a little description I have from a article I read, and I just loved it. Estefania Pessoa, also known as Teffy, a hilarious, kind, and down-to-earth comedian that we can't get enough of. Her knowledge and honest take on advice and pop culture has gained her well-deserved recognition on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram. So that was my copied introduction but thank you so much for being here it's amazing where's that from <laughs> i was like that's <laughs> i found it on an article that someone did about you in like i want to say late 2020 okay well whoever they are love you that was so sweet i definitely never read anything about me because it makes me want to die like it makes me want to like put a little incision here and then peel all my skin off like that like i can't but that was very nice uh, I couldn't agree with more with what um, that said, but I guess if you don't mind telling my audience a little bit about yourself, where are you from? How old are you? Where'd you grow up? What's your story? So I grew up in Miami, Florida, specifically Coral Gables or how we call it in Miami, Coral Gable. That's where I'm from. Um, I am, I, I'm a, I'm, the daughter of a Colombian mother and my dad is Brazilian. So they're very impassioned cultures. Is impassioned word? Is so, it yeah. the word? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Well, we're rolling with it. Um, if it's not, it's my remix. <laughs> and I uh, moved to New York when I was like 22 
Um, my parents actually met in New York. So, and I have family in Connecticut. So I was like, what could go wrong? And um, here when leaving my family, I lived in Bogota for a little bit before because I was going to get help for an eating disorder that I was going through. And weirdly happiest time of my fucking life. When people talk about rehab, I'm like, you don't understand. It's adult kindergarten. It's the fucking best. Okay. Like it's the best, but, um, that was really where my journey with like mental health started. So I felt a little bit more, um, prepared to move to New York because it was up until then that I didn't realize like that you have, you can have your issues, but um, you need a toolbox. Like you can't just like, oh, I walk around, like I have depression. So that's why I act this way. And that's why I feel that way. But you need like a toolbox, you know, and you need like your go-to people, like your one or two people that you can depend on. For me, it's my mom, you know, mm -hmm. um, and my, one of my best friends, Molly. Um, so when I got to New York, I want to say um, I started I started doing like odd jobs here and there. And then I worked for somebody who was really, really cruel to me. And I think this person like really enjoyed being cruel to me for like two years. And I, um, I remember he would say things to me, like he knew that my mom was a single mom and he would say things like, um, does your mom know that you have an eighth grade education when she, she would be so disappointed in you. And oh, I'm shit. being, being like 23, 24, and my first like grown up job, it was extremely detrimental. And that led to like a really big mental breakdown of mine. I don't know if I've ever talked about it, but I had a really big mental breakdown. I remember I left therapy and I called my mom and I was like, I can't do it. And my mom started crying and she was like, I can't watch you suffer anymore. And also being Colombian, she's like, I want to go to New York and whoop his fucking ass, especially like weaponizing your, the, weaponizing the way I told him all I wanted to do in my life is make my family proud. That's yeah. all I want to do. Um, especially being like first generation from an immigrant family, like all you want to fucking do. You just want to make it worth their while. <laughs> you know what I mean? You just want to make it worth it. So, um, he, weaponizing that like really fucked with me in a way where I probably couldn't hold a job after that for two years, I could not hold a job for longer than I think th two weeks, three weeks. Couldn't do it. I was, so in my head about it. So my once um, like mental health journey was like restarting over again. And I felt like I went back 600 steps, not much with food, but the, the way that I saw myself. Um, it wasn't until I started getting into like marketing. I feel like um, everything that we want to do as a kid is like, um, is like what we actually want to do. Yeah. And I just wanted to talk. I just wanted to, sh I wanted to share. I always wanted to share. Um, the singer and the verb. <laughs> but so I, I, um, I started like working in marketing and that's where I started like really getting into social media and actively shedding this idea of like the way that people perceive you is to be true. So in doing that, I became like a little bit more brave and then a lot more brave. And I got my own like YouTube show through this um, startup company and I was doing pop culture. And through that experience, I learned how to um, talk about things without going with for the cheap joke. You know, I really mm -hmm. didn't like, um, like there, there are definitely jokes that I made on that YouTube show and they're probably still up and it haunts me, but it's like, um, it's, punching down is not comedy to me. I completely relating agree. to somebody, you know what I mean? Like 
that the easy joke is never the funniest joke and it's always the most expected. And that to me became like a challenge. Like, where can I take this in a way where we both feel good about this? Mm -hmm. Or like, I feel good about this being up. It didn't happen until like a month in, but then COVID happened. So I was like, let me, and I was already obsessed with TikTok <laughs> obsessed because, because it was like cringy before it was very much like dudes in the armed forces dancing. And I was like, I can't believe this app is free. Like I was obsessed with it. And then I just started talking on it more and more. And I had like clips from my show that I could like put on there. And then I think, um, I think my biggest issue is that I forget that people watch it. <laughs> so like when people come up to me and they're like that video, you know, X, Y, and Z, it touched me or it made me laugh or whatever. I'm like, you saw that like on your screen, you saw that. Or like they go to Jason and we're like, Jason, we love you. I'm like, you know who he is? <laughs> like, it was just like so crazy to me. But above all, I want to say I am a person who is professionally human. I'm professionally human. And I happen to have a large following and I'm from Miami and I'm a cancer. <laughs> I love that. I feel like there's so much to dive into. And um, I mean, thanks for being so honest. It's like, I think that's also just part of the reason that people really connect to you is that you're just very honest and um you know and open and and I yeah I just have a I have a couple of follow-up questions I guess chronological okay. order probably makes the most sense but so mm -hmm. I guess it seems like or at least from what you're saying that your first kind of like mental health hiccup was an eating disorder so did that happen right. Like at what point did you kind of admit mm -hmm. to yourself that you needed to address it? And how, to, how was that experience? I was, so I started um, kind of looking at myself differently. I don't want to blame anybody in my family, but my dad is Brazilian and it is, he was extremely superficial with me. So this idea of like almost being pretty enough was, um, nearly killed me. Like, Oh, I'm almost, and it's never enough. You know, it's yeah. never enough when you are in that cycle. So it's like, I would lose, lose, lose. And it's not sustainable, obviously. So I'd blow up and like my metabolism was all fucked up. And I was the way that I used to cope is like what any like young kid does. I think I used to go out and get fucked up like really fucked up. And, um, it got to the point where I wasn't eating all day. Um, I was probably like my normal weight. I'm totally fine with it. I'm usually between 135 and 145 pounds. Right. But at that time, I think I was like at 168 or something. I was like, no. So I wasn't eating all day. And then I would tell myself, I'm just going to, um, drink my calories. So I drink all night and then I'd get, and then I come home, be super fucked up and just binge, 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 binge. And then I would pass out and I'd wake up with this like overwhelming shame. And it would just happen all over again. Yeah. Just happen all over again, over. And I think this happened straight for like that cycle, that specific cycle. when I was 22 happened for two, three months straight. And I was friends with this like friend group. And I started realizing that um, they were kind of like using me like this one specific person was kind of using me to be like, I'm a good person. I'm friends with somebody who's like a mess. And when I heard the way that she was talking about me, I was like, that's not who I am at all. And then it was this mix between my body is so tired and oh my God, people pity me. So those two things. And 
and my clothes weren't fitting. I didn't recognize myself. I didn't have the energy. And I had just dropped out of school for like the fourth time. I went to like four different universities and I couldn't get a handle on it. Um, I think I was like really burnt out from high school because I was an overachiever and I was just burnt out. I couldn't get a creative thought out. And I was so obsessed with my body. It was like taking up all of my space. There was nothing else. And I also worked in fashion. So it was like the cycle that was like really bad. And then I remember one day I woke up and in my family, I know in a lot of Latin families, like we talk about how therapy isn't like really embraced. My family is actually the complete opposite. I think because they know they don't, they, because they know that my family, my family is a very nervous family and they're like, I can't handle this. So like, you need to talk to somebody. But ever since like the age of seven, when my parents split up, I've been in therapy, but I, I, I guess I thought to that point, it was just like gossiping with somebody that you liked to see once a week, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't, I didn't adhere these tools. I, I don't know if I'd hear is the right word, but I didn't like use these things. I didn't realize what I was talking about. And like, I, I think I had, um, therapists that were just trying to like find out if I was doing drugs to tell my mom, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I never talked to them about my eating disorder ever. It was very well hidden. People just thought I love to work out. People just thought, I, I remember telling people like, oh yeah, as a baby, I even had like a six pack, like totally like all these fucking lies and your body's also changing. So I was like, it's perfect. They won't know that I'm abusing my body. They'll just think that this is what I look like because everyone's bodies are changing or whatever. And it was awful. So I woke up one day and I remember I looked at my mom and I was like, if you, my mom travels to Columbia every three weeks for a week because she it's for work. She, um, has clients out there. She is, she's in, in a, she works in an investment firm playing with money. I have no idea what, I have no idea what she does. I know she goes to Columbia. Um, so I was like, if you leave to Columbia today and she was packing, I was like, I'm going to hurt myself. I'm going to do it. And she was like, what do you mean? And I was like, I'm, if you leave me, if you leave, I need you. So I'm very much attached to my mom. I was like, if you leave, I'm going to hurt myself. And I've never said that ever never had a issue with, with dark thoughts or anything like that. In fact, it was more about preservation. I wanted to like preserve this way that I looked as a 15 year old. Right. Um, so she looked at me and she bought a ticket for me to go with her to Columbia. And she dropped me off at a rehab facility where I lived with my, um, on my uncle too. Like she didn't just like drop me off. She like left me with like her favorite cousin. Who's like my favorite fucking aunt in the world and her husband, um, And I was there for like three or four months and it was, she didn't even, it was like no conversation. She's like, you need help. We're giving you help done. We landed. She went to a meeting, we had lunch and she, we went to different therapists and facilities and like talked to people. And she was like, I like this one the best, like no questions asked. And that is, she was supposed to stay with me for a week, but the two days, like the first two days, my grandma had her first stroke. So my mom was like, oh my God, I, I have to go, but I can't leave you. And I said, like, you have to go and I'll be fine. Like you, you have to go and I'll see you soon. And she visited me once, once a month because of work. And then, um, it was the best time in my life because it was fine. Like being honest, but in this horrible way, in this horrible way, you see the way that other people and their lives have rolled out. And, um, the things that have happened to them, like there was this little girl who was like 11 and she didn't want to eat because it was after dinner that somebody in her family would hurt her. So wow. she wouldn't eat, she would avoid food. So, and I, I've ne- I can't even imagine that like, so, and she's 11, she's a, le- she's a little girl and she's scared to eat. So 
in this way of like gratitude, but also like grounding yourself about like the important things. And I remember like we were eating once and we had just done like weigh-ins and they watch you like the whole time, especially when you eat. Um, my problem was not not eating. So I was like, so my thing was like, I had to slow down. I had to chew, like really be mindful and not be on my phone, talk to people around you and like enjoy conversation also eat. But other girls were doing into like tiny little pieces to make it longer or whatever, to feel fuller, et cetera. And I remember the first time that I was eating and I started laughing out loud with somebody. She had like squirted a lemon and it went, as I was talking to her directly into my eye and we all erupted in laughter. And it was just like such a, I knew that that part of my life was over in that moment. Wow. I knew it was done. Like I knew I could like move on, but I was walking everywhere. I mean, a lot of people have their ideas about Columbia, but like for me, I've been going, um, for months, once a year, since I was a little girl. So I was walking everywhere. I took up classes in um, the university and I made myself learn how to um, take the buses. Cause when you're with your family, you know, like you take a car or like a taxi, yeah. but I had to learn. I learned it. I was really proud of myself. I made my own friends. I really um, put myself in a place where I was taking risks and I was being rewarded. So that to me was like, okay, if I live with something that I know is hurting me, I um, suffer and it gets to the point where I can't do it anymore. But if I can let these things go, I can live like this. And I think I want to live like this. So it, in Miami, I had burned a lot of bridges because I was in a very toxic relationship. And this man knew that he was cheating on me and that people knew. So anytime I started making me friends, he would work really hard to isolate me. So he'd be like, she, she's been damning for a while. She wants to have sex with me. And I was with this guy for like nine years. So you're just like warped. So I didn't want to go back to Miami because I didn't want to face um, not being well-liked for, and people not believing that somebody was like hurting you. Like, I just like, couldn't face it. So my mom's like, why don't you run away to New York? Everybody runs away to New York. You should be there. You should go for a year. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. And I don't know if you watched the city, but I um, applied for an internship at People's Revolution. I worked for Kelly Catrone, the, my first like internship here. And in New York, I noticed that like nobody gives a fuck what you look like. Just get your ass to work. And I loved it. And yeah. I loved it. Nobody cares what you're wearing. Nobody gives a fuck. Nobody just be, be, don't be an asshole and work really hard, you know? And, um, I loved it. And I started, uh, dating immediately. I fell in love pretty much immediately with somebody because New York fucking does that because it's like, how can I break her heart into tiny little pieces yep. <laughs> and make the truth late. But I had this, these experiences where like you have, um, your friends that become family. However, when people ask me, how do you make friends in the city? I'm like, I have no fucking idea. All 25 of my best friends are, I grew up with them in Miami. It's my same friend group. Yeah, so it's I definitely, did not. It's definitely like, I think it, I don't know, New York's so interesting because I think if you come there without knowing anyone, you meet hard. all these amazing, it, I think mm -hmm. it's hard in different ways. Cause I, when I moved there, I had friends from all part of my life, all parts of my life. And I really wanted to make new friends, but everyone was kind of in their own little like bubbles and didn't yeah, click, intermingle very quickly. Mm -hmm. Whereas, yeah. like very very clicky um so Miami is very much like that but at the same time it's not because of like the Latin culture but it's just very clicky 
because like, uh, I mean, I know like Jesse is one of my best friends. I know his mom, we're going to talk about his mom and I don't want to talk about stuff in front of people. So it just becomes like this, like intimate friend or that you guys were like, we, we know too much. <laughs> like yeah. we know too much, but we can't branch out. <laughs> but, um, the majority of people, my new friends are people that I've met through doing like these odd jobs, you know, and like coworkers or whatever. Um, but I do know, looking back, I didn't think I was very pretty. I didn't think I was very like smart. I didn't think I was very smart. I didn't think I was very, I was nervous. And all I knew how to do was like this. So Mm -hmm. other skills, I just didn't have, I, I was just celebrity styling assistant for like five years at that point. But like, that's like steaming clothes and like picking out outfits, like skill wise. And I didn't want to do that in New York because then you're like a personal shopper and you have to deal with these like uptown bitches. I'm like, yeah. absolutely fucking not. And have like her Pomeranian, like piss on my purse. Like, no, I'm not doing it. So I um, started doing like um, these like weird jobs. And when I was a personal trainer at one point, I got really into fitness, which was a little dangerous for me looking back, but I was dating somebody who all we did was fucking eat. So I think it like leveled out a little bit, but um, this guy came up to me. He's like, I really like your energy and I'd love for you to like work at my consulting firm or whatever. And um, I didn't know. And he, he was also Latin. So I thought I could trust him because where I come from, white people are the minority, you know, like you guys don't speak Spanish. Like gringos are like the minority. Like there's a lot, there's a lot more Christina's than like Christie's like in, you know, in Miami. Mm -hmm. Um, so I thought like, I saw a fellow Latino and I saw like a, like a kinship and he absolutely obliterated my self-esteem in in a way where like it was intentional. And I look back and I'm like, I was so doe-eyed you know, and, um, I went through a breakup while I was working and I remember, um, he's like, Oh, where's so-and-so like my ex-boyfriend. I was like, we broke up and he goes, Oh, is it because, is it because you don't have those degrees? I was like, what? He was like, is it because you're not educated? I was like, no, we didn't break up. Cause I'm not educated. What the fuck is wrong with you? Like but in my, but those things like stick with you. And, um, it really affected the way that I, um, felt I didn't feel capable. I felt like I couldn't even try because, um, this like imposter syndrome, but to the next level where like, I can get a job or like first day syndrome. Like when you kill it on the first day, but now you have to do like the rest of the dating. You're like, I don't know if I can fucking do this. Like, yeah. so like, um, I would do this job and I would think, oh my God, with everything that I was doing, even if I was being told I was doing a good job, I'd be frozen with this like not like not exaggerating like literally literally catatonic with um anxiety about they're going to find out that I can't do anything and that I'm stupid they're going to find out and it uh, created a hell for me that like I would not pay, I would not want my worst enemy to ever experience the paralyzing fear and then for me at the same time like I couldn't see my friends you know during that time like I couldn't I thought these ideas it's also the depression that I live with like it reminds me all the time that people hate me like I'll be with my friends and I'll get quiet and like I've known them forever so they'll look at me and be like everybody loves you I'm like okay yeah. Yeah, I did this. I'm like, are you mad at me and they're like Zoe yeah why, or why like I'm mad at you? <laughs> or like my friends are like I I just I just feel like the way that you are the things that you are dealing with are not somebody else's responsibility 
but they should just be aware, you know, like, so I, 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 of course, if they're like, how's your day? And I'm like, how could you ask me that? Like, obviously I'm unwell, you know, (laughs) but, um, that's not, that's not for me later to be like, I'm sorry, I'm dealing with so-and-so that's not their problem. That's not their problem. You know, it's for you to handle. And like, you know, you shouldn't talk to people that way. So that was also something in my mind where I was like, oh my God, I'm not feeling well. Am I coming off wrong? Am I doing this? It's like this, this constant thing. Um, the only thing that has ever worked for me is to have weekly therapy, um, and be medicated. And my psychiatrist and my psychologist work, like update each other about me every so often. That's the only thing that's ever worked for me. Um, I've tried everything else. I've tried the breathing. I've tried the Reiki. I've done the working out incessantly. I've tried, I've done the fasting. I've done the praying, a, a lot of praying, a lot of like, um, desperation. I've done it all the hot yoga, the cold yoga, the swimming I've done it all. And the only thing that works for me is, um, talking about it and acknowledging that I have a chemical imbalance in my brain, because when, when you acknowledge that you can forgive yourself. Absolutely. I think also, I mean, I'm so sorry to hear about your experience with that boss because I mean, I didn't have anything as, as horrible as that, but I definitely had a situation where I was, I had a manager who just constantly made me feel terrible about myself. And those situations are just the worst because not only it's like one thing, if it's the person like a coworker or something, but when that person is your boss and they determine how much money you make, they like, they literally have more power than you. Like, and it just, it really, it makes you feel so stifled because you're like, no matter what I do, I can't grow. Like, I'm stuck. Like, yeah, like I, this, I'm going to be doing this my whole life. I can never make this person happy. And this person is like the gateway mm-hmm. to like doing more, you know, and I can't surpass it. But I was in a company that was of like four to five people. So there was no HR, you know, and I will never lessons learned the moment a manager or anybody is rude to me or inappropriate in any way, immediately telling HR before it was like, no, I don't want to snitch. I'm immediately telling HR, or if you don't have HR, I'm not working for you. There's no way, you know, Uh, I do feel like now I look back and I'm probably make three times as much money as him. So I feel fine. But like he, he would, um, would only pay me probably less than minimum wage in a check without healthcare. So I was literally eating olives from a bodega and spaghetti every day. Could not afford like a $10 gym a month, like literally scraping by where my friends, thank God I knew them for so long that they would pay for my drinks if we went out because I couldn't go out, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And for, but I look back and I'm like, everybody that worked for him, all of the four people were like pretty young girls. So who are like on the, at the cusp of like getting either a corporate job, like, you know, like really um, advancing their career, but he kept us so broke that we could literally not afford to look for other work. Like for me, it took a mental fucking breakdown. When my mom, my mom said that I was, I had like eyes that she had never seen. Like I was like dead and I am a very lively person. I know, I know I liked, I like being alive. You know, but she said I was just like, um, and like so drained. I look at pictures of myself from that time. One of my friends came to visit me during that time, and um, she we took a picture together at like a selfie, 
and my eyes are so hollow that I, I was like, a, I was like, how old am I there? And I was like 24. I, I literally looked 35. I was so aged. I was so tired and it really showed, you know, and the people that you're meeting during that time really take advantage of you too. Like not take advantage of you, but like you're an easy target. Like you're an easy target. You have no self-esteem. Like you'll, you're broke. You're fucking cold. You don't want to go back home because like you want to make your parents proud. So you're not telling them everything that's going on. You know, you're kind of being like tossed or it's kind of like I was a little, sometimes I look at New York and I'd scream out my, out my window. Do you even fucking like me? Like New York was a person, but it also, I am the strongest person mentally because of that shit. Like, um, I think 27, 26, 27 things started to turn around for me, 23, 24, 25, worst years of my fucking life, worst years of my fucking life, period. Yeah. I, yeah. The, I know, I think it's the Jupiter return maybe that happens mm. when you're 23, 24, mm. it's Jupiter return and Saturn Jupiter. return. Yeah. And it like, cause I, I, I was at my worst, like mentally when I was mm. 22, 23, like absolute shit hole. It's just, it's weird because like, as women, we do have this like alarm. That's like for some, like you're going to be 30 soon. It's just like this alarm. And you have this idea of like what your life should be like. So even though you're like 22 and 23, you feel like you have no time. Mm -hmm. You have no time to prove yourself because if you go according to this, like made up ladder, that some like bored old white guy made up, you know, like if you have to go through this, like steps to life and you have to follow these rules to get to where you want to be, you know, um, this idea of like time is like, it's like a elephant on your chest. So like you might, I look back and I'm like, Oh my God, I was so young, but I thought if by 22, 23, I wasn't at a good job. I was never going to be the person that I wanted to be. Yeah. But I didn't have any skill. And the person that I worked with always told me you don't have any fucking skills. So I was like panicked. I was always panicked. And um, running in circles and like fucking hungry, dude. I was, I, and I was so out of shape too. I was like, I must be the fattest poor person in New York city. Like I like cannot so fucking hungry. I remember I got declined for an apple and a black coffee from seven 11 ones. And I was like, Oh my fucking God, it must've been like a dollar 38. And it was so terrible. But, um, I, I remember I told my mom, I want to move back to Miami. And she said, you can't, and I said, what do you mean? She's like, you can't leave New York like that. Yeah. Like you can't, you can't remember New York like this. Like you, you have to do something else. You have to do something else. And then I met Jason and he's probably been like the light of my life. I've never had somebody look at me. Like I was the most interesting, smartest person. And I love that he, when I tell about insecurities and stuff or like, I think people are going to think I'm stupid or they're going to make fun of me. He's like, Oh, so whatever. So you already know what they're going to do. Who cares? And I was like, Oh yeah. yeah like it's so he's like, whatever. If they make fun of you, you already know they were going to do it. So it's like, who fucking cares? Or like, who, Oh, well, what do they do? And I'm like, well, so-and-so is like, um, I don't know, like a elementary school PE coach, which is a fine job, but he's like, okay, so not a film critic. <laughs> so not a TV critic. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So he doesn't work for the New Yorker, you know, like that should be a worry. Like you hope that like the New Yorker, you know, likes you, but like the dude that you went, uh, that doesn't like you on Facebook. I'm like, okay, you're making a lot of sense right now. And I'm not really appreciating, but it's, it's this idea of like careless courage. 
that really he introduced to me. And it was like, everything matters if you decide it does. So the idea of this like decision that I saw him actively make every day, this matters and this doesn't, like that was life-changing to me because I could decide, I could decide to get help. I could decide the way that I wanted to live because I finally felt, um, I felt like seen. And um, during the time in that, in my life when I met Jason, I was not looking for a boyfriend. I decided not decided, but I started investing all of my time back into my friends. Cause I was like, we're not as close as I want us to be because I'm not meeting them in the middle because I'm at home because I'm obsessing. So I started making an effort to see like one friend a fucking day. No, even if it's for a walk, even if we read together, like I want to see friends. And I was so invested in my friend group and in love with my friend group that when I met Jason, his um, approval of me didn't matter. Yeah. I had like my village. I had like my people back you know? And, um, he says that when he met me, he never met somebody like less impressed with him. <laughs> like, just like, I just, I wasn't, he's a modeling agent. He like was talking about these. I also grew up in Miami. Don't give me promoter energy. I, it's not going <laughs> to, it's not going to go up. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was just, it was like this natural, like getting to know each other in like a real way. And, um, he, he like really, really, showed me that like you can decide how much shit you're going to take and but um he also okay I was very reactive he he taught me that I can decide that I don't have to partake and that was like monumental to me everything that happened everything that was happening to me I was constantly reacting to constantly absorbing constantly analyzing so draining and Jason was like oh well that I, I decided that I don't care you know, if my, if his boss was a dick to him, well, fuck him. Who cares? That is monumental. Yeah. Monumental. Especially for like a Latin woman, like your people's approval is everything to me, like everything. And then I met Jason, who was like the most beautiful, sweetest, kindest man in the entire world. And he like loves me and he doesn't give a, f and he, my friends love him. Do you know what, do you know how many times that's happened in my life? Never. <laughs> I have never dated a man, but my friends are like, we love him. Absolutely not. Jason and I will fight and my friends will call me and be like, why were you so mean to him? And I'm like, who are you? My mother, my mother is somebody who like, if you are late to dinner by like 10 minutes and I tell her, she's like, absolutely block him. I'm like sending you a hundred dollars, go to the spa and never think about him ever fucking again. I'm like, mom, I'm in New York. A hundred dollars is not going to get me into a fucking spa, but whatever. But yeah, she, but with Jason, like if I tell her like, oh, Jason slammed the door. She's like, well, it's a heavy door. Like she loves, loves him, loves him. And so to see somebody like so beloved and not trying to please everybody, just being themselves is like life-changing to me. So people are like, oh, did you, did you need a man to feel better about yourself? I'm like, no, I needed an example. That's so to like true. less. And all my friends have like, a lot of my friends are like, oh my God, Jason, like, uh, please, please stop smoking weed. Like, you know what I mean? Like, please pay attention to what I'm saying. But at the same time, he, they tell me that they've, he's taught them a lot about, you know, um, a lot about not everything is so definitive, def definitive, excuse me. Um, he comes from like the Midwest and that's a whole other culture, but there are things in his life, like all of our lives that are um, hard to hear about. Like every single family has a, every single person has a, a story that's like hard to hear. Yeah. But the way that he um, has picked himself up 
over and over again or the way I've never had a man look at me and be like, for you, I will go to couples therapy once a week and my own therapy, my own, because I want to be better for myself. And for I was looked at him. I was like, I didn't even bring up therapy, but he's like, I want to do to be so actively um, wanting to better themselves is like in a way that's like for, for you, not because you want to be someone's wife one day, not because you want to, you know what I mean? Not because you want to have a great job and you want to deal with like office politics. No, like for you, for your spirit, for your betterment, for the people around you, or like Jason, and I have this saying, like whenever we're working really, really hard, we say it's for the babies. Like we think about like the generation to come, like how um, the indigenous people say, like we're borrowing, we're borrowing the earth from our children because they are the ones who inherit it. Like mm-hmm. I, we think about it in like this like generational way where before I was too busy being so obsessive with um, how much I, I wasn't enough and like not seeking proper help, like not um, go- talking to people or like opening up. I was just like, I, I describe it as like rotting. I was like rotting for a long time. Did you, you know, how did you open up to him about your own past? Like, was that difficult? Yeah. So it, it, um, I remember the exact moment cause I'd never done it before. Um, I r- very much tried to be like cool girl when I was dating people and I was just tired. So I was training for a marathon at the time. So I was like, I, I, and I knew how to do it cause of the uh, like personal training certifications, whatever, et cetera. So I knew what I was doing and I knew I had to like, um, what I had to eat, whatever, whatever. And I usually like would wake up and be like really, really excited to like, see how I would advance or like what kind of run I was going to have. And I woke up one day and I was like, I recognized the dead feeling. And I was like, I'm having a bad day mentally. Yeah. And sometimes it's, sometimes it's triggered, but sometimes it's just not, you know? And I remember Jason was texting me. We had been together for like three months. We not even been together. We had known each other for three months. And he was texting me like you do the person you're dating when you're at work. And um, I was at home. So I was having a really bad day and he kept texting me and he was like, why are you, why are you uh, not answering? I remember I looked at the phone and I was like, fuck this guy. And I was like, I'm fucking depressed. I'm really fucking sad. And I hate being alive today. I really don't want to be here. I'm really upset. And I'm really, cause I'm, cause I can't feel anything. I can't feel anything. And I hate it. And I was like, and I remember I locked my phone and I took a nap. Cause I was like, I'm never hearing from him ever again, please. I've known him for nine Saturdays. I'm no, please. Wait, I'm did, never hearing did from you him. you actually ever. send that text or you just. I did. Oh, I sent okay. that text. Wow. And then when I woke up from my nap, I had like seven missed calls and like 18 texts of like, I'm here for you or like, um, whatever you need. Do you need me to send you food? Do you want me to come over? And no guys ever come to my apartment. I don't let people into like my personal space. Cause that's my space. Like my, that's like my sanctuary. And like, you don't get to like be in my space for him to be like, what do you need? I'm always here for you. um, Do you need somebody to talk to? Do I call you? Have you told your mom? Like all this crazy shit. So crazy shit in a way where I was like, huh? Cause dating in New York is a fucking Olympics. Oh my God. Like hunger and people are always putting themselves first. No, no, no. no. When I was like 25, about to turn 26, I showed up to my best friend's house during the winter. And I remember um, she opened the door and I was sobbing. And I was like, I just saw a couple holding hands 
on the subway and my best friends are getting teary and she's like how the fuck did she do it i'm like exactly like, like literally crying it's, it's so rare. i couldn't imagine it it's because also like i call new york the biggest the biggest dorm in america <laughs> like that's all it's like nobody wants to fucking grow up but so i think um the moment i was like i'm going to i'm too tired to pretend I'm figuring out too much about myself and I'm really focused on my friend group that Jason was able to see me at like a really a big growth period in my life. And he says that I took him along with me, like the way that I talk to my friends. He says, like, usually um, people like in the Midwest or whatever, when you guys get into arguments, you just don't talk about it and you just resent each other silently he would see me like pick up the phone and be like, Molly, what you said yesterday really hurt my feelings at dinner and I want to talk about it. And he's like, what the fuck? Yeah. She's like, I know I felt that you were sad. And I'm really sorry. I didn't mean it that way. I could feel that you, the energy changed and I didn't know how to talk to you about it. Like literally talking and you'd be like, this is fucking wild. Like, it's, <laughs> you know, so there are things that we learned from one another, but, um, COVID mental health. Oh, gosh. oh baby. I, when I lost my show, when my, when like my boss came up to me, and he was like, all the investors pulled out today is going to be today was the last show for you. And Jason had just gotten fired the day before. So I was, and so I was like this breadwinner and I take a lot of pride in like taking care of my small little family and I'm happy to do it. And I love it. But, um, when fucking I got fired and then I was like, oh my fucking God, my one shot at doing what I was good at, like basically like talking and I love pop culture is fucking gone. And I have to go home and tell my my then boyfriend that I also lost my job and I don't know what the fuck we're gonna do. Oh, I wandered on that subway platform. I let trains go by. I was like, I'm not, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. I got home and he was, and I told him, he was like, oh, that's totally fine. I was like, that's totally fine. He's like, it's not your fault. And the idea of like, not my fault was like beyond me. Yeah. Like beyond me. Like, what do you mean? You know? So COVID then we're, I'm with him 24, seven, 365. I, the last time I was with somebody that much, I was in a womb yeah. with her. I was, I was in her womb. So it like, probably was I, longer, longer like, probably, literally, because by then I'm, I'd be a big old baby, but like fucking with Jason, like you, the little thing, the, being with somebody that much and still wanting to do sex with them. Jason was like, I have to marry you. And I was like, yeah, because I can't do this and anybody fucking else. I'm so fucking tired. If this doesn't work, I'm never getting to know anybody ever again. Like I'm so tired. I'm done, you know? And it was a constant, constant battle between like personal space. I live in a one bedroom, one bedroom, one bath, tiny little apartment because who the fuck in New York stays in? Like, it's like a storage facility. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. no, you don't fucking stay in. You're always out, you know, like you sleep there you have sex there and you like get dressed there and you take a shower there, but everything else is like outside. Right. So now that we were inside, we're tiny. Jason loves a different hobby every three fucking minutes. Why do we have four ukuleles? I've never seen him string. I've never seen him. Str I've never heard him hum. Why do we have like, we have every, you would think he's Picasso. Why do you have clay in this house? Like there's so much, there's so much like stuff going on. And also like, um, just, I was drinking all the fucking time because I was sad because I was watching Tiger King, Yeah, you know? Wow. Because I, was, back. And I, I didn't have anything to do the next day. So why not get fucked up? So, and I have depression, right? So like I was sad all the fucking time watching Jason order ukuleles 
like losing my mind. Um, my cat, it, she has low white blood cell count, so she can't get spayed because she can't have the operation because she's bleed out. Going into fucking heat, and I was losing it. I was losing it. And <laughs> the only thing that really like helped me was, <laughs> I can't believe it, I can't, TikTok. <laughs> it was TikTok. But actually, the I mean, only- it really allowed you to take control over your content. And, yeah. and one thing, the one thing I had control over, yeah, which is like, I think that's the hardest part with COVID. And I kind of always joke that I was not that affected by COVID because I always have been anxious about everything. So like when COVID <laughs> came, I was like, oh, oh, now everyone's worried about their future. Like, oh, okay. Like this is- <laughs> late to the party. Yeah. Like, yeah. but actually I feel like I was weirdly prepared and I'd already kind of gone through the depths of my eating disorder. So mm-hmm. all of the influx of like, work out in your home and like buy all like whatever. So I wasn't as affected as I could have been at a different point in my life. But Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's, it's interesting. Hindsight is just so interesting. Like looking back, you know, maybe like, I don't know. Have you seen yourself aside from like, obviously the engagement and things like that in COVID just grow as a like continue to grow or in different ways. Oh my God. The person that I was March 13th of 2020, I don't even know that bitch. Yeah. I am so fucking different. Like the, th- the way that I think the way that- also like, um, I I'm so proud of myself too. Like I gained so much weight in quarantine. Like, like I said, I'm like 135, 145. I got to like 158, 156 or something. And I didn't find out till I went to like the gyno. I was like, do it again. Like I was like, you know, but, um, I faced food in a way that like, I didn't think I was capable of doing. Um, because I tell people like alcoholics don't have to go to the bar like drug addicts, you know, like they can go to rehab, but they avoid the corner. They block their uh, dealer or whatever. There's ways to do that, but I have to eat to live. Yeah. Like I have to at least three times a day. So the way that I handle that now is like, I'm going to give myself a fucking break and I'm just going to have these elaborate, huge dinners with Jason and have wine. You, th- I would not trade in those memories for a salad a day in my life Yeah, ever, you know? But yeah, um, the anxiety that I got from COVID wasn't about um, like the world. I knew that we were going to be okay because I feel like human beings will always persevere. The, the human condition will always persevere. Um, but I thought, I thought that like I was going to die like a nobody. And I'm not saying that I'm going to be a somebody, but I'm saying like, I think I felt like I had things to say and I got like a shot at it. And then it was just like, it was taken from me. But what's weird is like, I talked to everybody, like everybody that I've ever met was like, when COVID happened, I was like in the best place, career wise, relationship wise, or just gotten out of a breakup, like super excited to date my heart. (laughs) heart. (laughs) Having to do Zoom dates? No. girl absolutely not so everybody was like I was in such an exciting place in my life and like COVID ripped it away so like knowing that people were sharing that gave me the courage to like talk about like my disappointments too without feeling like stupid you know yeah absolutely and I I can relate I got dumped during COVID so it was like (gasps) oh my fucking god what a dick but the the silver lining was I was like well 
he's not hooking up with anyone else. <laughs> like, like you couldn't really uh, do anything. No. So there's the, you know, the both sides to every coin, so to speak. Um, yeah. So I have a couple of questions that I always kind of wrap things up with. Uh, so this one, they sometimes don't relate to things we talked about, but you know, there's always something that touches on it, but it, what's one, you can make it work. what's one thing in your life that's happened to you that's made you a stronger person today? You mentioned a couple, but like if you had to choose one, I, um, I've learned recently, like literally this week, I think how to say no. And I can feel it kind of changing. Yeah. Me. No, it's huge. Saying, no, it's huge. I don't know why I was so nervous to say it before, but I feel like I literally don't have time to do anything now. Like I'm always trying to advance. Even if I don't have work, I'm trying to advance in some way, you know, mm-hmm. um, whether it be like mental, but the idea of like, and I enjoy it. I love it. I love doing that stuff. Um, like meditation, all that stuff. Like I'm trying to advance all the time and people would come in with like these opportunities that I knew, um, were not like, were not my rate or like, I didn't like the people that I was working with. And I remember being like, I can't say no. And now I can say no, you know, and I don't have to explain. I just don't, or I get a bad feeling about something. Like I can say no. And I didn't know that no meant, um, like choosing you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I thought no would be like dismissing opportunity weirdly, like missing a boat or something, but you're saying no, exactly true to myself. So I literally think I discovered that this, this week and it's Tuesday. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Do you have a favorite quote or a mantra that you live by? Yeah, it's Cher's quote and it's at the tip of my tongue. It's like, um, I'll tell it to you right now. I have it in my notes. I read it all the time because I never um, post something without wanting to cringe <laughs> my heart out, you know, especially in the beginning, like, especially in the beginning where you're like, um, like you're at like 10,000 followers or whatever. And you're like, oh, I have a goal, but like, am I looking desperate? You know, like, am I looking, you know, whatever. Um, so the, the uh, quote is until you're ready to look foolish, you'll never have the possibility of being great. I love that. And every time I think of, if you see me stroking my chin, I found three chin hairs during this podcast and I'm literally dying. I'm dying. They're so long. I'm like poking them out. It's right here. I can literally poke. Okay. Anyway, um, I'm not like thinking I'm literally touching. I'm planning where I'm going to put the tweezer, but, um, um, I think like, I imagine like, I, uh, like Lady Gaga, I remember, um, she would do like these, like, uh, like dive bars, you know, she's an Oscar winning actress, Grammy award winning. She's like one of the most famous people in the world or whatever, Mm -hmm. but like, she always said that she knew that she was a superstar and every single icon from Cher, Barbara, you know, Nate, Madonna, they all said the same thing. Like I knew I was a superstar. And they say it so confidently, like the sky is blue and I'm a superstar. And I was just like, okay, those are, those are more deciding factors. So it's not like where you're performing or where you're speaking or where you're creating. It's, it's how you feel about yourself. And if you know that it's going to take looking like a fucking idiot (laughs) with my YouTube show, it was a live show. You know, I was like to see five viewers and knowing that it's all my mom, like my mom and her assistants, like literally. 
like that death death so like but I had to like tell myself over and over like you have to look stupid you have to put yourself out there first yeah I, so, I love that um, wait it's I'm funny sorry. I was about to say I was about to say like oh I heard this like really interesting thing today and then I realized I heard it on your podcast <laughs> but I love my the podcast? idea yeah of creating a twitter where you oh. just t- say things like Mm-hmm. I am like, I, like I got the job or I I'm doing right. this. Yeah. I was, so that's what Thank I was thinking. Thank you so much to everybody for nominating me. Yes. Like you have to like say like, uh, but you can't say like, I can't wait. It has to be like, I have. Yeah. It's like, like a, um, writing down people. affirmations kind of, but in an easier way because I'm always on my phone. So I love that idea. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I have to I have to go back because I think some of the things that I've tweeted have actually happened. So I think I, I have to go back, but who the fuck remembers that screen name? Jesus Christ. I think it was like Abundance Girl or something. <laughs> I but it's real. That shit is real. I didn't start um getting attention from like like uh people on social media until I started telling people I'm gonna be paid to be myself. Cause I like to say, like I was treating like the universe or like my desires, like a boyfriend that you want to like read your mind, you know? But I, instead of saying like, I want to eat at McDonald's, like you were hoping he'd bring home McDonald's. Yeah. So I started telling the universe, like, I want to get paid for being myself. And I think once you do that, the most important thing is like, you know what you don't want to do. Yeah. And it's Which like, is so important. Else, so. What do you yes. love most about yourself? Um, I think what I love most about myself is I've been fucked over so violently in my life, but I refuse, I refuse to believe that people are not inherently good. I believe in like goodness. And I think I like to, I want to remain soft in that way. And I think that's, um, I love, I love that about myself. I'm not scared to like meet people. When I meet people, I already decide that they love me because I love them. So like, it's, it, I, I believe in this uh, loving exchange between people and I still believe in people. And I, and I, I'm proud of myself that I didn't let, I didn't let other people change the way that I love people. That. I love that. It's important. I think I also believe humanity, like humanity is inherently good. I just, I, I mm-hmm. don't want to ever not think like, I don't know. I don't want to ever not think that yeah. way. Yeah. Or like ex- prepare yourself for like the worst in people off rip like I can't even imagine I, yeah I, I used to do. think that way so like like always hope for the best but prepare for the worst and kind of that yeah. mentality but that obviously did not work out so um, then I started believing like good things would happen and yeah it's interesting when you change like, that perspective not for worse, but, well I I think it's like a survival thing that yeah. my brain came up with but I I literally believe like if they don't like me, that's none of my business. Yeah. It's like not my business. It's it's so, something they're projecting. Yeah. Like that's a personal problem because I think I'm really likable. Like that's what I'll tell myself, you know? Yeah. So. So my last question, which is the name of the podcast, is how do you find solace in the city? And you're actually in, in New York City. So this is. Just- yeah. Um, my favorite place in the world is the um, Rose Conservatory in Central Park. It's like on 103rd and Park. And it is so wonderful there. It is peaceful. It reminds you, you know, like 
It reminds you about like the beautiful things, but you also see little kids planting. You see grandparents walking with little grandchildren. You see people jogging by, you see people dancing. And it's kind of like a little spotlight on Central Park that I would go to all the time. And I think I went, especially when I was like running, I used to live on 97th and Park. I lived there for like four years. Okay. So when I would go running, yeah. I would like make sure to end it there. And I remember just being like, I want you to hold on to this piece until you get home at least. Then I get home and then I have to look at my work email and that shit fucking sucks. So that's, that's like my sauce in the city is like, um, (laughs) nature where you don't fucking get it. I was going to say where you can can find it. (laughs) Exactly. It doesn't fucking exist. Well, Teffy, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. I really appreciate your vulnerability. Like, it's just so awesome talking to you. Like, I literally was at home watching your videos with my mom being like, look, this is like how Jennifer Aniston got so fucked over. My poor poor Jennifer. Well, I love that you love them. And again, I can't believe you say that. It's so crazy. It's crazy. It's it's true. And And I have, you know, lots of friends that, are going to be really excited that I'm I'm sharing this with you. But thank you so much again. And of course. bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs>